This is the MFG Cast. Buddy Kurt here. Another episode. This one we're back from Gen Con. Uh, it was a nice wild ride. Gave us a couple weeks off of not having to record anything in, in studio is what I call it, even though it's just in my house. It's not really in a studio. Wish I had a studio. God, that'd be awesome. Somebody send me money so I can have a studio. So we could have a studio. But uh, Gen Con was really fun. One of the things that I got to play that I was really excited about that I actually didn't put on the Gen Con thing because I thought eventually I would talk to this person about it is uh, Flapjack Flip Out. It's a fun game that we got to play and I got to see an old friend that we talked through Twitters quite a few times but hadn't seen in real life, but now we're going to talk to him. It's Pete Newland. Hello. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, thanks for Thanks for on. coming on the show. Boy, if I could speak English, things would be a lot easier. <laughs> Uh, you have Flapjack Flipout coming to Kickstarter August 30th, and me and the family were able to meet up with you and play that game, and it was a lot of fun, and it's crazy. Like, it was like, I just saw you, what, like three weeks ago now, two weeks ago? I mean, it's just, it's weird. It, it feels like it's been forever, but also it doesn't. Right, yeah, just the the uh, adrenaline from the con, and then it's all gone, and you have to remember <laughs> what the con was like. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, too, because... I realized that, you know, I think I should just give myself a week off after Gen Con, and I think everybody should do this after like a bit any convention because I feel like as soon as I got done with we got done with Gen Con, like Tracy and Logan had the day off, they had Monday that Monday off, and I didn't. I went straight to work. Yeah, same. boy, that that post Gen Con depression really hits you really hard. It's like, man. That was a lot of fun playing games and not working, and now I'm working every second of my life. Yeah, exactly. And plus, for a lot of people, the, the social anxiety, um, mm-hmm. and you what there's a a term using up all your spoons. I think a lot of people need to get all their spoons back. Um, I know from friends following friends after packs. Uh, I catch a couple of them on Twitter, and they've made blanket forts when they get back in for a couple of days. <laughs> perfect it makes sense it really does so before we get into flapjack flip out and how much we liked it let's do the obligatory how did you get into gaming pete uh i can't even remember now uh i want to (laughs) say it's been so long ago i'm an old man and i played games a long time ago now let's see i guess D &D in college and then moving to seattle and starting a D &D group is probably what started me back down the path of gaming nice um but that was you know i was almost 20 years ago so where mm-hmm. where it actually started i've slept since then <laughs> well it's it's interesting to, to see that someone who started in role-playing games is designing board games i mean they do kind of go hand in hand but 
it's interesting that you hadn't gone the way of making role-playing games. It's, it's interesting. Uh, tabletop is, I want to, or sorry, uh, role-playing games I think are harder uh, just mm-hmm. because of you don't have the physical component there to help guide the, um, or to set the magic circle, uh, so to speak. I like to read RPG books. I like to play them occasionally, but yeah, they're just so rules heavy. They seem a level of difficulty higher than what I can handle. Yeah. So before designing games and stuff like that, you know, when, when did you, did you start, when did you start getting into board gaming? You know, was it something where you started small with like how everyone else does like, Oh, I played Monopoly with so-and-so or was it, was it something where you played something a little heavier? Uh, I want to say it was the D&D group I got together with in Seattle. Uh, some of them actually were getting into the tabletop scene, and that's when, about the time Catan was showing up. Um, nice. So, yeah, playing Monopoly and stuff growing up, but you don't even really remember it until you break the box out and again and read read the rules for the first time. Um, it was probably Catan and Carcassonne and... Uh, all of the transitional games. Nice. That's cool. So why why then did you decide to go into designing games then? Because I suffer from the curse of DIY. Uh, same thing with remodeling my house. It's just I look at a thing and I'm interested enough in it that uh, I have a sense of self-delusion and say, hey, I could do that. I, yeah. sh- I should try to do that myself. That looks easy. <laughs> that looks easy. That's yeah. the worst one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nothing is ever easy in houses and in games. Right. I would think by the sound of it, DIY, you are very, you know, actually pretty handy, you know, with, you know, doing things like that. How does your brain work as far as designing board games? Is it something that you have a concept and you, you know, work it out from there? Is it something where you think, oh, I really like this mechanic and then I throw a theme into it? How does that shape out? I think I've tried mechanic version first which never it was too difficult to have a theme fit the mechanic i wanted it to do mm-hmm. um or since i felt the mechanic was defined trying to put a theme on top of something that i didn't see was uh, malleable was too difficult uh, anymore it's a wild idea i've had a friend ask me how my brain works when i uh, put two seemingly in compatible objects together and make a thing out of it at least in uh describing it so yeah it's always been theme just because it's always some random hey wouldn't that be fun or funny or interesting and then let's let's play around with that and that's what uh that's what happened with flapjack flipout um in discussing it on twitter one day with uh i need to see if i can include his name on this so we'll throw it in here and we might need to take it out um but our friend on twitter I was talking about going to have pancakes on uh, Father's Day, and he was getting upset that all the dads were in his way of getting pancakes. And uh, I quipped in with, uh, don't flip out, or he was going to flip out, or something like that. And uh, after a couple of exchanges, I had a prototype ready to try out. I like how I like how that happens, where you, you get this, uh, uh, what do you call it, this idea from... You know, from the smallest thing sometimes, and you're like, "Oh, I need to write that down." Obviously, this is going to be fun to map out. Right. What is this actually going to look like now that I've these magic words have fit together and sparked some kind of interest in my brain? Yeah. 
So how how was the metamorphosis of of the game from the first thought of that to the physical copies that you've had and you've brought to different cons? Um, <clears throat> so the first copy I actually made. What did I make it out of? I think I just made some random paddle shaped board, which is I close to what is on the print and play files right now on the website, mm-hmm. um, and cut out some either cut out some circles or put some pictures on some coasters and took it to uh, a play test and i was like here's a game let's flip some pancakes and see what we like about it and uh then we all had a race and originally it was everybody was trying to fill their own orders uh and then a friend of mine that's also a game designer uh, pointed out that everyone should be going for the same order to make it more interesting Mm -hmm. Uh, and that really started bringing the game together at that point. Uh, we did have different stacks of pancakes, and then we had another game designer friend was like, look, just put it in a big pile because everybody's going to be grabbing anyway. So uh, I, th- yeah. I think the last things that we've added to it after it was officially functioning was uh, the special pancakes and uh, fixing the order in which the pancake hits the griddle. Uh, we had some inadvertent cheating the first few playtests, the first few conventions we showed it at, uh, because the original rule was put the pancake face up on the griddle and then flip it over and cook it, and a lot of people would just toss it at that point because they knew that they didn't need it. (laughs) So we fixed that very quickly uh, after a year or two of me not playing it uh, at a convention. I just sat down and said, uh, this is the last thing I know I need to fix, so let's fix it. And I put it on the griddle face down and flipped it face up, and I said, hey, look, it's fixed. <laughs> That's awesome. So you've talked about some of the things, some of the challenges you've had with this game, but what what are some of the main challenges you've had when you're coming up with, with a dexterity game that, you know, you want to make sure that's fun for everybody, that, you know, doesn't, I hate to say it, that doesn't bore people, that keeps people excited, because with dexterity, with, oh boy, that was a word, with dexterity, you know, you really have to keep people engaged, and, you know, have a good mechanic and theme to where everybody can have a good time, so what were some of the challenges that you had coming up with that kind of thing, besides what you've already told us? Like I said, since my games are based on the theme, the theme was already sounded fun and the only other dexterity game i've got is a real-time dice game which is to me it's short enough to keep people interested i'm trying to think of other dex games so you just you just want any specific thing that you can kind of compare it to yeah i'm looking well i mean there's flicks but i don't know the the theme the mechanics fit the theme because it's pancakes and you're flipping them and that's a thing that at least yeah I remember always wanting to be able to do uh, cooking pancakes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just the idea that these pancakes can fall on the floor without making a giant mess. Uh, that that definitely <laughs> helps. I think one of the things you talked you talked to us about when we saw you at Gen Con is that you know you had to have some nice dirty paddles because you know if you don't if you didn't have that then it's like they get kind of a limp and then it's kind of hard to you know, do the flipping with the, with the flat right. and kind of yeah. takes away from the whole game. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the original design for the print and play, I made sure that the, uh, the griddles didn't have much of a handle just because since it was going to be uh, paper chipboard, that's going to be the weakest point And that's the entire point of the game. So 
doing doing cons i always had a wooden set with me and that's the um, plan for the the final version of the game and i've had really good uh data from extended family with my nieces niece and nephews playing and my uh, parents reported back that at some point the paper griddles do give up so don't don't include those as the uh the the or the final version of the game <laughs> yeah definitely so now that we've we're, we're you know a few minutes into this, why don't we why don't you kind of tell everybody that doesn't know exactly what flapjack flipout is? Uh, this is a memory dexterity race uh, about cooking pancakes and remembering where you keep them on the on the table uh, because all of the information is on one side of the pancake. You need to flip and catch the pancake on your griddle. Um, if it falls off, it goes in the trash. You have to get, grab something else. Uh, whenever you successfully flip and catch the pancake, uh, you're going to store it face down in front of you in whatever order you want to, but then you never get to look at the other side again. And all of the players are racing to do this at the same time, uh, trying to fill one order every round. And as soon as you think that you have the right pancakes, you ring the bell, play stops. And everyone, uh, sorry, the player that rings the bell can only flip over the number of pancakes on the order. Uh, so they have to remember where they put the pancakes on the table and what types they are to fill the order correctly. Uh, if you if you get it right, you win the point. Three points wins the game. If you don't get it right, uh, whatever pancakes you did cook stay on the order and someone else can finish up that order for you and win the point. Very cool. And then also when we played it too, you also had a couple of uh, special pancakes too, correct? Yeah, so there are... Uh, five flavors of pancakes in the game. Uh, there's also a, a handful of uh, either-or flavors. So the pancake is either one flavor or another flavor uh, and some various combinations of that. Uh, there's also the daily special where you can grab pancakes out of the trash to put in your pile. And there's a moldy cake where you can put it on somebody else's stack of pancakes and cancel them for the round. It's funny because this game is... it highlights my strengths and my weaknesses like i'm pretty good at i'm pretty good at dexterity but i am terrible at memory so it's it's the it's the best and world worst of both of my worlds <laughs> it's always amazing to me that two pieces individually aren't so bad like a lot of adults can really do memory games or they can do flip and catch no problem it's when you try mm -hmm. to walk and chew gum at the same time in this case that uh, it gets really interesting when you go and you think that you've actually got the pancakes and then you forget where you put them. And I, I like that it it gives itself to more replayability because you're always you're always doing that thing where it's like okay I know I can be better at remembering this I know I can do it you know and then you fail again and you're just like oh okay okay I'm gonna get it this time yeah exactly you know? <laughs> this time I've got a plan I know where my pancakes are and then you can can't flip them anymore and then everybody else knows where your pancakes are and so they know which pancakes to moldy so yeah 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 i like that and you know even even then you know some people will be like oh i know what this is and then they'll do the mold they'll put the moldy pancake on there and then they'll be wrong and be like haha you you know you got the wrong thing now, now i'm able to you know do this or whatever. right but, um, yeah my favorite uh my favorite story from gen con was the one player who saw the moldy cake get cooked and immediately scrambled his pancakes so that the uh, they could only get the moldy on one pancake, and then he immediately forgot where everything was. Nice, that's <laughs> awesome. He thought he was so smart, but not so much. Exactly. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, I love it. Yeah. the The other thing I like about this too is like, is you know, even if you think you have yourself 
a good flipping technique. Sometimes, you know, you could, you know, not flip it hard too, you know, not hard enough or too hard. Or if you don't, you know, have it right on the paddle, you know, it's just, it's, you know, you kind of, you know, look silly and stuff like that. I like that there's a lot of variabilities that kind of either, you know, help or hinder, you know, the process of winning this game or winning the round. Right. The physics involved are pretty amazing, actually, when you, it's just a, it's essentially a coaster and it's a flat griddle. But for some reason, those two, just the shape of everything, the first time everybody tries to flip it, it looks like the pancake sticks to the griddle and it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> so even I've, even me that I've been flipping, you know, two or three years doing this game, uh, I still have stuff come off the griddle all the time. And it's funny too, cause it, you know, it plays into the feel of the game too. You know, it's like, okay, so if you've ever cooked anything, well, of course you can easily get stuff stuck to your pan. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's perfect. Right. And it was just, it happened. I, that was one of those happy accidents that it just, the nature of the components made it really interesting. So, you know, we saw you at Gen Con and, you know, we got to play in the big old Lucas Oil Stadium away from all the hubbub. But also there's, you know, quite a bit of hubbub, you know, out there at the field, but not as much as the the main convention. You know, what kind of what kind of challenges do you have there when it's like, okay, you know, I'd like everybody to play my game, but it's not in the busiest part of Gen Con. I mean, foot traffic is always difficult at any convention. Uh, a lot of the times, especially with uh, this particular dexterity game, I always feel like a carny trying to get people to come over to play it, but I don't have a stuffed bear to, to bring them over. Gen Con is interesting in that uh, since people are buying tickets, I know when to expect people so that I can actually run the convention by myself and be able to take breaks whenever. Mm-hmm. Uh, without that system in place, um, you know, I'm kind of at the whim of people coming by and I would need to pack up every time I need to run to the bathroom or go get some food. Um, so I took Gen Con a little, a little bit different approach, just trying to understand how that part of the system works because I'm used mm-hmm. to conventions like PAX and OrcaCon where it, you just have a space and you just play until you can't play anymore and hope that people come by a lot of times. Yeah, so I guess at Gen Con I wasn't really concerned about foot traffic because you know I had people that signed up and the information was out there so I didn't, I didn't try to beat the drum so much and I wasn't trying to pull people in just for uh, Gen Con has generic tickets. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I wasn't entirely concerned about that this time. So, it, you know, so what would you rather be doing? Would you rather be the circus performer trying to pull people in with the big hat and cane? Or is it something where you would just rather, like, I, I know exactly what's going on. I know who exactly is coming to my table. It depends. Uh, this time I was happy to just know who was coming and when to expect people. Mm-hmm. Since I also lead a group called the Tabletop Co-op, whenever we're together, I prefer the pull people in as fast as you can uh, because then it's more of a party atmosphere when you've got other designers sharing the, the load, the what do you call it, the behind-the-scenes load of not just playing the games but all of the logistics of having a space. So yeah, when it's when it's by myself, I would rather have it organized and essentially have appointments. Uh, when I'm with a group, then it's easier to 
I don't feel so bad standing there with nobody playing my game because I can always assist in somebody else's game at that point. Well, I, I know for a fact that it was an instant hit with us when we were there because it, it, it's funny because uh, our son isn't doing as much board gaming with us as we like him to do, which is fine. You know, he's he's a kid. He's got lots of other things and his brain is going in 80 different directions. Yep. It's fine. But um, it, it's funny, especially at like, like Gen Con... Or like any con that we've been to with him. Usually we know what he likes. Because it's the first thing, as soon as we're done, he's like, where can I purchase this? Right. <laughs> Even though he's not buying it. Buying it but... <laughs> where can you buy this for <laughs> <But> me, Dad? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And But the cool thing about it is it's not every game. So I can right. tell when he's really into something. And that's the first thing he's... he's you know, he didn't want to say it in front of you, but he pulled me aside and he's like, Dad, where can we get this? I'm like, well, unfortunately right now we can't get it now, but when it's available, we'll see if we can grab it for you, okay? You know, he's like, that's okay. So so it's got the MFG cast stamp on it that way. So Excellent. Really Thank you very it. much. Of course. So what are we looking at as far as price and shipping for people that are going to be going through your kick or looking on Kickstarter to back you? Uh, price is going to be 25 bucks. As This is just... Basically trying the Kickstarter I tried back in, when was it, May? March? March. Yeah. It was March for National Pancake Day. Um, but now I've got uh, the word out a little bit better than I did last time. Turns out when you think about a game for two years, no one else seems to. <laughs> funny funny how that works. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to constantly be on the horn, I think, when it comes to that whole thing. Right. So I've got, I had some help this time in getting uh, some ads out and doing a couple of conventions. Uh, we're actually launching the start of PAX West, and I'll be out there with Tabletop Co op showing the game all weekend. But yeah, 25 bucks for the game, and that'll be with the wooden paddles. $5 US shipping. 15 international, I think, is what I've got listed. I'll have to double-check on that. Um, I do have an investor this time, so my target is going to be way lower than it was before. Hopefully that'll help a lot. That's right. So then we can get this thing made and get it out to the people, which would be great. At long last. I've got I've had friends asking for the past three years to <laughs> get a copy of the game, and it's yep. just not happening. That's uh, awesome. We... We hit a spot with this game where all of the publishers had a good time playing it and nobody wanted to publish it. It's one of those mm-hmm. really weird, odd... It's an odd place to be in the market. Uh, a lot of people were saying mm-hmm. either memory games or dexterity games were just not what they thought would sell really well. So Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it, it all depends. And it's funny because I was just kind of reference, you know, like, it, it feels like there isn't... There hasn't been a good like pancake dexterity game, you know. That you think that that would just be something that would be out there. Uh, I know, I know for sure that there is there is one company that has one that I'm no offense to them, I'm just not interested in. But um, but this one seems like it really fits the bill, and I'm gonna be excited. I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna be excited when it funds and that when we actually get to see it, and Logan will actually get to finally play his the copy that he wants to buy. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, there was uh, there's been several games that people were like, "Hey, look, there's a pancake game that I would go and check out and see if we've already missed the boat or not." But yeah, a lot of them are geared towards younger kids with mm-hmm. uh, with their gameplay. And since I don't have kids, I geared games towards what I like to play mm-hmm. uh, and what my friends have fun with. So this is definitely one of those games that 
I at least I think it it pleases adults just as much as it pleases the kids. That's right. Yep, I think it's fun for everybody. So, so make sure you go, you fund that, you start funding it starting August thirtieth. Uh, you're doing a full month full month run on that. Yep. Perfect. So you get some time. You can stay off your shekels, even though it's fairly cheap. Thirty bucks total with shipping if you're in the U.S. Forty bucks if you're international. We'll just put a Hopefully, just because you didn't know for sure about the international shipping, so I don't want to put a for sure on that, but I'm sure it'll be around that. Yep. And uh, yeah, we'll be excited when we see it. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, Pete, to talk to you about Flapjack Flipout or anything else that you got coming out, how can they reach you? Uh, either peter.newland at mindthegapstudios.com or find me on Twitter at mtgspete.com or at Twitter. Perfect. Well, Pete... It's good to talk to you again. It was good to finally meet you at Gen Con, and hopefully we'll talk to you in the future about your success on your game. You too, and likewise, and thank you very much. All right, you bet. So until next time, I'm Kurt, and this was the MFG Cast. Thanks for listening. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.